Good morning. I think we're going to be kind of thin in here today. Still spring break. Tim's not here, et cetera, et cetera. So my name is Russell Atkins. I'm filling in today uh, while Tim is away. Let's start with a word of prayer. Eternal Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for a beautiful uh, day uh, heralding the coming spring. Um, we, uh, we revel in the sunshine and the warmer temperatures. Uh, thank you for the giving us this day and what it represents. Please guide our study today as we examine what truth is uh, and how we can recognize it and know it and apply it to our lives. Uh, go with those of our group who are not with us today and bring them safely back to us in the weeks ahead. In the name of Jesus, amen. We are studying today Lesson 12 in the quarterly, The Fruit of the Spirit. The title of the lesson is, The Fruit of the Spirit is Truth. Well, when I read the the lesson title, my first question was, what is truth? Anybody, did anybody ask themselves that? She says it's the opposite of a lie. I say it's the word of God. And we have one that says the truth is the word of God. Is um, truth is God Himself? How do we know? How do you know that the truth is uh, God? The truth is the Word of God. It, because is it because the Word of God says it's the Word of God? Is that, is that how we base our? Is that what we base our uh, our understanding of truth on? Did everyone hear what she said? No. She said in a postmodern definition, the truth is defined as whatever is true for you. Okay. Uh, that's one theory of truth. We're going to get to that here in a minute. I don't subscribe to that theory. Um, but there are many who do. How do we know? How do we know the Word of God is truth? The truth will set you free, the Bible says, and we would be free indeed. There's reality, and then there's falsehood. And we're all in this room here today, and we're asking for the presence of the Holy Spirit to be invited in this room, and each soul that's here, that's truth. I exist and I'm speaking right now. That's truth. That is one truth. That's correct. We're going to get to the statement that Christ said that uh, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That's in, I think, uh, Sunday's lesson. Does truth ever change? Doesn't it? Not Not the basic principles. Truth is truth. Can't Let me... Let me ask this a different way. Does truth ever grow? Yes. Okay, our understanding of truth grows, but does truth itself ever grow? It's always the same. It depends. It depends on whose truth. God's truth never grows. Scientific truth, truth for mortals grows. Only as we discover. Okay. So we're fairly clear that our understanding of truth will grow. Are we all in agreement on that? Yes. 500 years ago, the truth was the world was flat. Okay. That was accepted truth. The world was flat. The world was never flat. It didn't make the world flat, but, but, but our understanding has changed uh, 500 years later. Although there's still a group called the Flat Earth Society that, that ardently believe that the, word, the world is still flat. What should our acceptance of truth be based on? 
evidence. He says evidence. Is there anything else? Should it be based on popular opinion? No. There's one theory of truth. It is the consensus theory of truth. It says that truth is whatever is agreed upon, or in some versions that might come to be agreed upon by some specific group. This is a this is a accepted theory of what defines truth. Yes. Um, Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man can come to me, no man can come to the Father but by me." And since He's omniscient and the Holy Spirit is within each one of us, I would say that He is the same uh, yesterday, today, and and will come. He's always the truth, and so it, as long as we're always looking to Christ, keeping our eyes on Him, we'll know what truth is, because He said He's been the Comforter, and the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth, and we understand what truth is. Okay, so here we're getting back to our our perception or our understanding of truth uh, changes over time, or should change over time. Um, is that going to be an ongoing process, or is our is our perception of truth always going to change? It's always growing. And will be through our Ah, interesting. Um, how, how many of you have met people that consider that when we get to heaven, we will we'll be done, we'll be finished, we'll, we will know everything there is to know? No, no way. Does that sound like a fun place? No. No, it doesn't. I mean... Uh, what uh, to just finally arrive and to, to, to know everything would be kind of boring I think uh, I, I happen to enjoy the process of learning um, let's go through a couple of the major theories of truth I don't want to bore you but I probably will the correspondence theory if there are five major theories of truth correspondence theory the for truth to correspond, it must be, it must first be proved by evidence or an individual's valid opinion, which have similar meaning or context. Can you want to think of any examples of what would support a correspondence theory? Evolution. I think I see where you're going with that. Can you elaborate a little more? Well, that's why he set out to prove. Uh, Darwin, there was someone before him, I'm not a real knowledgeable, but I right. studied it. Right. And um, he, he set out to prove that there wasn't a God because he, want, he didn't want to have to obey the tenets that were put upon us mortals. Well, he'd also suffered the loss of a child and, and was struggling with, um, you know, how, how a benevolent God could, could take a child in death. Um, this was just one of the quotes that he was. Right. I mean, that I read. Right. And, and so we had to have evidence to prove that God created us, and there's no evidence of that. So he was trying to prove that. Of course, he never did prove, he never has proven yet where we started from either. Correct. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he went and, and uh, observed nature, and what did he see? He saw survival of the fittest in, in its in its entirety. I mean, he saw it right there. The strongest um, competed with the weakest, 
and they won, and they're, they're, they therefore survived. But he never saw an ape come down out of a tree as a human being either, though. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> but the, the, the point is, is that he, um, he was correct in his observations. He didn't have all the facts. He didn't have all the proof. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I, I interrupted you. Tell, say what you say. What you said again. Um, if he hadn't turned away from Christ, we wouldn't have had the theory or come to conclusions apart from truth or Christ and falling away and, and arrived at a theory that was apart from what the Holy Spirit would lead him to believe. Do we? I I don't know for certain that he knew Christ to begin with. I don't believe that. I believe that every soul that is born into this life has has had and has had opportunity to know Christ by the Holy Spirit. Because we are born with the Spirit, and we are born with the flesh, and we are born in this world, but not apart from Christ, because God is the creator of all things. I, I, I'm not arguing that um, the Holy Spirit is not talking to each and every one of us, e- even the darkest uh, heathen on the planet. The Holy Spirit is is trying to to speak to the to each and every one of us. No, no question about that. My question is: It doesn't matter which spirit or which Christ or which God you pay attention to, you listen to. I'm getting way ahead in my notes. There's this now this brings us up. There's a quote from. Prophets and Kings, uh, and it's it's regarding the state of Israel uh, after the time uh, during the time of Elijah, and comparing it with um, with what existed at the time she was writing it. Multitudes have a wrong conception of God and His attributes, and they are as truly serving a false god as the worshippers of Baal. Many of those who claim to be Christian have allied themselves with influences that are unalterably opposed to God and his truth. They are led to turn away from the divine and exalt the human. Have you ever considered that a false concept of God is idolatry? And not only is is it considered idolatry, but it's every bit as destructive as bowing down and worshiping the planets or an image made of stone or wood. Or or worshiping a person. And his name and the mark of his name. Okay. So we've got correspondence theory of truth. The coherence theory of truth. For coherence theories in general, truth requires a proper fit of the elements within a whole system. Constructivist theory. Constructivism views all of our knowledge as, quote, constructed because it does not reflect any external transcendent realities as a pure correspondence theory might hold. Rather, perceptions of truth are viewed as contingent on convention, human perception, and social experience. This means that we construct truth. Someone someone mentioned that earlier, that we, we, we make our own truth. Uh, and this dovetails well with the consensus theory of truth, which says a consensus theory theory is whatever is agreed upon, or some versions might become agreed upon by some specific group. Finally, there's a pragmatic theory. This has come about at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, you can get this in the notes. 
And yes, for those of you listening online, I actually did do notes this time. So I, I hear I hear clapping. <laughs> Although there are wide differences in the viewpoint among these and other proponents of pragmatic theory, they hold in common that truth is verified and confirmed by the results of putting one's concepts into practice. Um, this particular definition makes a lot of sense to me. And I would well imagine that to get a, a complete definition and concept and theory of truth, you have to have elements of all of these theories and maybe more that we don't know about or that I don't know about. Uh, I've listed some definitions of truth um, as, as they're given uh, in the dictionary, and you can read those uh, yourself. Let's get to the lesson. Um, memory text for Sabbath, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. Someone read it, please. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Any thoughts on what that uh, represents or means or entails? I mean, that takes means we have to read and study and pray. It, it doesn't come to us just come to Sabbath school class and have us one time Okay. Um, any other ideas? I believe this as uh, we are searching for the truth and seeking God's wisdom, uh, our light grows because the Holy Spirit leads us to the truth. So when we seek Him early and open His Word and invite His Holy Spirit in, He would enlighten our minds with the truth and the wisdom and knowledge of the kingdom. Okay. I have several patients that I engage in conversation with, and uh, they they don't accept that that this is the word of God. They accept this is a, a nice piece of literature with some great stories and allegories in it. But that's all it is. How do how do you reach those people? I'll tell you right now. I don't know. How much of it have they read, though? Personally, or are they just an opinion of they Yeah. I'm starting to form uh, ideas and opinions on how to approach these people, and and the road, the path I'm being led down, it goes back to this pragmatic theory of truth, that if you apply the principles and the ideas and the God that is evidenced by Jesus of Nazareth uh, to your life, then you will witness a change, and it will not be a change for the worse. It will be a change for the better. Yes. Personal testimony, who can argue with that? If you tell one of your patients, hey, let me tell you, this is, what, right. this is what's changed in my life. Right. This is why. Right. If you want to find out about more, where I got this from, read this book. Right. Well, yes. also, isn't that the main point of prophecy in the Bible? That when we see that God predicted it so far ahead, and then when it happens, we know that His word is true. And that we can believe in what he says elsewhere in the Bible. Oh, I think that's a great point. Uh, I think, and yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the function of, of prophetic dates and, and times and and things like that. Um, I th- I think they're a great support for scripture being true. But I, I routinely encounter people who don't. Seems to me like if someone rejects the Bible, then there, God does have many various ways of reaching the human mind. So He can use just reality of the world around us, nature, mm-hmm. 
but the best testimony that he can have is if he has sons and daughters upon the earth who are in representation of what Christ is like. And that is something that you know, is lived out in front of people that that they'll see without reading the Bible. And maybe it can be a starting point for them. Excellent observation. And and this this uh, dovetails nicely with what Christ told his disciples, that they would do greater things than he did. Okay, And what he meant by that was not that they would perform greater miracles or they would raise more people to life from the dead, that they would evidence the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, taking someone from a character who's rotten and selfish and transforming them to one that's Christ-like. Because Christ never... Christ developed perfect character, but he didn't have, he didn't have his transformed from an ugly one to a uh, to a righteous one. The memory test is talking about a sincere and honest heart that is seeking after the truth. And Paul, in his time, used some of the writers. He quoted some of the writers of his time mm-hmm. in order to lead them to Christ. Mm-hmm. You, you reach a Muslim using the Quran, you reach a... Mormon using the Book of Mormon mm-hmm. if they don't accept anything else. <laughs> but the emphasis I hear is that you sincere and honestly seeking truth. Would you reach a Satanist using the Satanic Bible? Is that where you were going? That Christ is the right person to worship is only acknowledging that the ground is right. Well, some uh, good texts and those books that you could kind of show them how. Every truth, and God said there are some people who have their minds so so twisted and wrong, and their hearts are are there, and there is there's no way to reach them. Well, Paul says in Romans that everything that can be known about God, His eternal qualities, uh, et cetera, et cetera, can be seen from what's been made. But if they don't believe God made it, then they don't see those qualities. I mean, I, when God gave my first birth to my child. My daughter, I knew that there was a God. There was no doubt in my mind mm-hmm. to have such a wonderful gift to be given. And, and I see it when a rose blooms. And, but the people who don't believe that God made it. They are, they are around, yes. In Isaiah um, 8.20, it says, To lie to the testimony, if they do not speak according to the word of God, there's no line in them. If we are always speaking God's word in everyday conversation as if uh, God was speaking through us right then and there, we don't always have to say the text, but if we are always speaking the word of God, that's going to lead somebody to the light of God because the light of God is in us. And, and it's a manifestation that that scripture is true. If they do not speak according to the word of God, there's no lie in them. So let the lie of God be in you by speaking scripture in everyday normal conversation. I do it all the time. People ask questions. <laughs> you see, but the, the memory test is when you search me with all your heart. Mm-hmm. 
So even though even those who are involved in satanic worship, if they're searching with all their heart, you still have that chance to show him to show them the other side of the story. Oh, I yeah, I didn't mean to give the idea that I, I don't believe they're unreachable. But I think they are. Searching with all their heart, then they might be willing to listen to the other side of the story. Okay. <clears throat> let's uh, let's look ahead to Sunday's lesson. John fourteen six. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This uh, text was referenced earlier. What, um, what, what, what does this mean to you? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And how do we reconcile that with the text in Zechariah? Or Ezekiel. The one that indicates that there will be people in heaven who, who don't recognize Jesus, who, who ask him who he is and why he has these marks on his hands. But one thing is for certain, no one will be in heaven if he's not for Christ. That they, that they know him or not is, 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 is apart from him. His sacrifice opened the way for everybody. But, but there are millions of people that live before Christ died on the cross. Correct. So therefore, they're not going to know about Jesus dying on the cross. Correct. But they still, but they will be in heaven because of they will that. Be in heaven, but they're not going to know Jesus. Jesus is Jesus, who has pierced hands. They're not going to know him. They're going to know him as God the Father, God the Son. <laughs> they're not going to know him as Jesus the, the Savior, who's died for their sins. They had to accept him before. They had to accept it by the fact that they're offering this lamb okay. as a sacrifice. What What about Christ did they accept? But, and why is that? It's because the Holy Spirit is our mission. I mean, today we're sitting here in this room. The people across on the other side of the world, it may be late at night there, but the Holy Spirit's there too. You know, and there's, he's speaking to them through in another language um, that we don't understand. Or some people in here may understand that language, but the Holy Spirit is omniscient, and he is the creator of all things, and he brings every person to their own knowledge and their own mind, and when he brings somebody else across our pathway, we may not, he may not have the same life that we have, but God gives us the words to speak at the time that he wants us to speak according to their knowledge and understanding of him, and we can speak a word in God's name, and he will enlighten that man and bring him to Christ, to himself. What truth was, was Jesus talking about? I am the way, I am the truth. The truth about his father. He was a, a physical human representation of the truth about God the Father. Yes. The mm-hmm. Bible teaches us in Romans that God's on trial, and the truth spoken here is the true testimony of who God really is. Okay, good. So, since Christ is the truth about the Father, then I think this adequately explains how Abraham never knew Jesus as a person. But he knew God. He was friends with God. Moses was was friends with God. Enoch walked with God. So, the thing that Christ was trying to teach his disciples is... First of all, they're not only the entire nation of Israel's understanding of who God was had become so darkened, even the disciples, after walking with him for three years, their minds were still darkened about who God was. And Christ is telling them, look, I'm it. I'm, I'm the way, 
to the Father. I am the truth about the Father. I am the life. I am representative of life itself. God is the, is the giver of all life. Um, and how does this help us understand what is what Christ says in his prayer in John 17, 3? Someone read that, please. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Thoughts? Because of that, because we have Jesus Christ, we can know that the Spirit of God is with each other, no matter where we're at. And if the testimony of Jesus Christ is in our in our life, it's because we love Him. We want to His commandments, and our hearts want to condemn us. We won't be ashamed. We don't have anything to be ashamed of. Um, in the last few verses of uh, Revelation 22, it says. For I testify to every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of his book. What is the word of prophecy? The spirit of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ. That is what the spirit of prophecy is. It doesn't mean it's sister wife only. It means it is each one of us that has the word of God in our mind. The testimony of Jesus Christ. And he said, if any man shall... If, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, and I shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Each one of us is a temple for God's Holy Spirit. Each one of us has the right to speak the word of God in the testimony of Jesus Christ. And if any man shall take away the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from the things that are written in this book. So the word of God is, is in us if we keep God's commandments and we have his testimony within us. What was Christ's testimony? A lack of love and sacrifice. God is love. That was his testimony. God is love. Okay? This is the testimony of this entire book. The Holy Scriptures. God is love. Okay? Even when he put 185,000 Assyrians to sleep. If you understand it in the correct context, that, that act is an act of a loving God. Everything that has, has been understood and misunderstood about, about Scripture testifies that God is love. Okay? And, and these, quote, strange acts uh, that we see in the Old Testament need to be viewed through the filter of Jesus of Nazareth and his representation of what God God really looks like. Yeah. Not the not the other way around. So so in reality we do not understand what God's love is. I think that's a good point. Well, I mean we, we have our understanding of that truth continues to grow or should and will throughout eternity. We will Ellen White says we will continually be plumbing the depths and breadths and, and infinite qualities of, of the love of God. Throughout all eternity. Yes. Today we have the same thing. Uh, many theories, many different uh, misunderstandings about who God is and what God is and the love of God and the commandments of God, but the word is clear. And He has given us uh, what He's going to do to mankind and to each soul who disregards the commandments of God, whether we accept them or not. What is He going to do to them? He will destroy them. He will destroy them. How, how will that happen? He, they will be destroyed by their own choices and be thrown in the lake of fire. 
If they receive the mark of the beast, they'll be destroyed because they disregarded God's Holy Spirit and chose to worship man and Satan over God. Won't he just let them go? No, he will put them in hell and he will take them out. <laughs> if we're getting way uh, way off topic here, but let's 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 go down this pathway. How did God treat Israel when they when they rejected his his covenant and his quote law and his statutes? How did he treat them? He let them go. At one point, he was going to destroy them. Moses, Moses stood in the way. The only reason they are going to be in that hellfire is because they don't seek the truth and accept the truth. That is where the truth comes in. And when we start trying to accept these lies that Satan has put out there to to deceive us. What is that, like, <laughs> that was my question. Thank you, Peggy. Might might one of the uh, deceptions of Satan be about the very fire of hell itself? Does God take away our right to choose? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, so not excuse. by that by that definition, God in the end gives us up to our choices. He lets us go. Amen. And. Scripture is quite clear that there are at least two types of fire spoken about in Scripture. There's the fire that you and I know about, where you strike a match and you put it to something combustible and it burns until it's gone. There's also the type of fire, as is evidenced by the Moses and the burning bush. The bush was burning, but it was not consumed. That's a strange type of fire. The fire that descended upon Mount Sinai the fire that uh, descended upon the temple when Solomon dedicated it, the rivers of fire that flow from the throne of God that are, are evidenced in the visions of Zechariah and Ezekiel. about the fire that came down destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? The fire that came down from Sodom and Gomorrah, that could have been the second type of fire that was the fire of God's presence, and iniquity can't survive in it. There's the fire that Lucifer existed in. Scripture says that he walked among the, quote, fiery stones. I believe that's in Isaiah. Scripture tells us that our God is a, quote, consuming fire. And there's the fire before his throne. There's, yep, rivers of fire, and it's also described as rivers of water. Um, there is burning and fire. There's seven spirits before God's throne, and it says that there is the spirit of burning. Okay. Spirit of fire. All right, excellent. There's the tongues of fire that appeared above the heads of the apostles in the um, at Pentecost. These are interesting types of fire that burn, but they don't they don't seem to combust. So, what is it about the fire of God's presence? I'm going to read Isaiah 33, uh, 14. 14 through 16. Thank you. The sinners in Zion are terrified, trembling, breaks the godless. Who of us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? He who walks righteously and speaks what is right. So this burning fire of hell is what Satan has told you it is. But this says that the righteous are going to dwell in that burning fire. So hell is Satan's lie. 
There is, there is a place in this universe that is continually burning. There is a lake of fire. Okay, and this, this place is the very presence of God. Okay, and Satan has convicted much of Christianity, the rest of humanity, that the place of eternal burning is exactly the place you want to avoid. It's the place where we do not want to be. And that is in the very presence of God. It's one of his greatest deceptions that he has pulled on humanity. He's also added the word torture to that. You know, that there's, yes. There's no evidence of that in the Bible whatsoever. However. It's not true. There is evidence that there is torment. Separate, hell is separation from God. And if we are separated from God, there is severe pain and, there is, and they are in torment. But what I'm talking about is the physical burning of the body that goes on and on forever. Our relationship to Jesus has to be more than a, a fire escape. Well said. All right, moving on to Monday's lesson. We're talking about the spirit and the truth. This is Christ talking, uh, John sixteen thirteen. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. What does that mean? He will guide us into all truth. All truth about what? Will he guide us into truth about mathematics or laws of physics or laws of health or... Anything else? It's like truth is plural. Reality. All truth about God and reality. God's everlasting principles. Okay, well, do not the laws of health and the laws of physics and the laws of worship and the laws of liberty, do they not also reveal God? Understood in the right context, they do. If they were all sick all the time, there wouldn't be very much of a loving God. I mean, I think he gives us, I think he gives us knowledge, and he gives us help, and all these things as a testimony of his love to us. These are all gifts of love that he gave us, every one of them. I think the laws of health are gifts of love, whether or not we obey them or not, are our choices. That's the gift he gave us. Any other thoughts about the spirit of truth? Well, even the people in... The Baptist woods of the world that have never had a Christian come to them. Um, the Spirit which guides them into doing what is right because the definition of sin is to him who knows what you right to do it's not that is sin. So the Spirit is always leading us into the truth, and the truth is to do what is right as what we know it. And that's because God has written his quote law where? Right On our hearts and minds. A few years ago, I heard a missionary from the Wycliffe Bible College came and uh, spoke to a Vesper service here. She spent 20 to 30 years with a uh, a very, very remote tribe in Papua New Guinea. She went there for the specific purpose of, A, learning their language, and then, B, translating the scriptures into that language. So she had to learn the language, she had to develop a written form of that language, and then she had to teach some students how to read and write and understand that, to read and write that language, and then translate that language, translate scripture into that language. A monumental task. In the process of, of learning the language and, and developing uh, the written form of it, she came to the, ob- she observed that these people were observing six of the ten commandments because that was the way they'd always done things. It was taboo in the community to to sleep with another man's spouse or another woman's spouse. It was taboo to take someone's life. It was taboo uh, to deceive. They 
they didn't have to worry about coveting. Okay? All their property was communal, so was a, there was no theft. They held their fathers and mothers in special reverence. So, you know, here are six of the Ten Commandments written on these people's hearts and minds, and they've never heard the Ten Commandments. Yes? Can a man walk with God unless he chooses to? He can't. If a person loves God, he's going to keep his commandments, and the Word of God's going to be within him, and his commandments are going to be within him, and he'll, the light will shine from him, and people will come to that light who are seeking Christ, and the Word of God will be within them also. So... People make choices whether they are going to choose to obey God's command because that is love. God is love. And he has a loving spirit. And he is a vengeful God, yes, and a jealous God for his holy name. But if we love him, we're going to want to keep his commandments. We're going to share the light of God wherever we go. We're going to speak the truth all the time. And if trial comes, we should bear it and help our brother to, to know what light and truth is. What exactly does God's vengeance look like? Well, it's a fearful thing to follow the hands of the living God. And if, if you've ever been separate from Christ or all of us have had trials and fallen away from truth at some point in our time because uh, none is without sin, um, I can say personally in my own mind, I know what it means to be disciplined of the Lord. Okay, but is that vengeful? I mean, is that God's vengeance? If we separate ourselves from Christ, he turns us over to the enemy or over to our own will and our own choices, and we fall. Okay, now now we're getting somewhere. So God's vengeance is what? Is letting us go to our own our own choices. It's not an imposed penalty, an imposed vengeance from an angry God. There, there's a there's a a very destructive misconception in, in your comment about if we walk with God, there will be evidence of walking with God. We have to be careful which to God we walk with. Well, we'll know it's the, the Spirit of God if, if we're speaking according to the Word of God. And it's in line with the Word and the truth of God's Word. Anything apart from the Word of God is a lie, and it's not truth, and it's worldliness, and it leads us from Christ. If we're looking to other things and other theories besides what God's Holy Scripture says... Then we're going to have open our minds up to falsehood. And, and, and Satan loves to take a truth and make it a lie. And he will use whatever he can in turning that truth into a lie by leading people away from God with that thing that they want to believe and say, oh, well, that's acceptable, that's sin. So it feels good, it looks pretty good, and it's all right. So let's just go that way. But it's not truth, and it's not from God. Thank you. Let's skip to Wednesday's lesson. Uh, we're talking about uh, seared conscience. Uh, someone look up 1 Timothy 4.2 and someone else take Titus 1.15. By means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. And to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. Okay. What's Paul trying to tell us here? I think it's through the conscience that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Okay. Yes, it is through the conscience and the prefrontal cortex. If we keep ignoring it, it's like it's been seared and has no no receptors left. If we burn ourselves, we, we don't feel and we cannot hear the promise. Of the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's, there's, here's this burning again. Um, 
searing. Have you ever had a burn, a bad burn, second, third degree burn? Does it does it disappear, or does it sometimes leave some evidence that you've been burned? Yes, it does. Sometimes it hurts for for uh, ever. Sometimes the scar is so thick that it, it it continues to hurt. You ever seen a cow that's been branded? Okay, it sears the cow's skin so hair never grows back there. And you have a circle with a W or whatever the uh, rancher has put on there. What does that say about the choices that we make and what it can do? to our ability to perceive and receive the Holy Spirit and the spirit of truth and our evidence of truth and our recognition of truth. Yes? Uh, the next verse, verse 16 in Titus 1.16, it says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, being abominable and disobedient and disqualified for every good work. And it definitely fits in with that pure and pure thing. Mm-hmm. So... Harkening back to, by their fruits you shall know them. Any other thoughts about consciences being seared? Um, I, I like what it says right here in, in Thursday's lesson. It's, Read it. While the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the believer is a part of the great mystery of life itself, Scripture has given us definite instruction on how to encourage that growth so that we may fulfill Jesus' desire. That's the operative thing is that we are to fulfill Jesus' desire, that we bring forth much fruit to the glory of the Father. And no one can come to the Father but by Jesus Christ, because he said, no one can come to the Father but by me. And if we're fulfilling Jesus' desire and bringing glory to the Father, we're going to hear his instruction. We're going to hear what he's saying to our hearts and to our minds and to lead others to the glory of the Father. Thoughts? I think this goes back a little bit to what we've already said, that if we reject the voice of God enough, enough times, he's going to be a gentleman, and he's going to say, okay, and he's going to let us go. Mm-hmm. And, and really, let's be honest with ourselves. How many of us would like to be in the company of a God that would force us to his company if we didn't want to be there? I mean, how many of us would be happy in the presence of a being that would that would force us to to keep his company? I mean, really, please. Uh, I want to read a couple of quotes uh, about truth and the spirit of truth, and then we will wrap things up. Comforter is called the quote spirit of truth. His work is to define and maintain the truth. He first dwells in the heart as a spirit of truth, and thus he becomes the comforter. There is comfort and peace in the truth, but no real peace or comfort can be found in falsehood. It is through false theories and traditions that Satan gains his power over the mind. You guys know that Satan could gain power over your mind? By directing men to false standards, he misshapes the character. Through the scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks to the mind and impresses truth upon the heart. He thus exposes error and expels it from the soul. It is by the spirit of truth, working through the word of God, that Christ subdues his chosen people to himself. That's from Desire of Ages, page 671. Testimonies through the Church, volume 5, page 703. God intends that even in this life, truth shall ever be, other, ever be unfolding to his people. There's only one way in which this knowledge can be obtained. We can attain to an understanding of God's word only through the illumination of that spirit by which the word was given. 
Quote, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. The Savior's promise to his followers were, was, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. And one last quote from Province of Kings, page 178. In the beginning, God gave his law to mankind as a means of attaining happiness in early life. What law did God give Adam and Eve? Did he give them the stones, the tablets of stone with ten commandments on it? He did not. He gave them the law of love, and I also believe he gave them the law of worship, the law of liberty, the laws of health, and he uh, educated them into the physical laws. Satan's only hope of thwarting the purpose of God is to lead men and women to disobey this law. Which law? Law of love. And his constant effort has been to misrepresent its teachings and belittle its importance. His master stroke has been an attempt to change the law itself, so as to lead men to violate his precepts while professing to obey it. Just a little bit of trivia. How many of you knew that truth was an idol? There is a goddess, Truth. She's represented as holding a mirror in one hand and a snake in the other hand. So can we actually worship at the idol of truth? I suppose if we're leading away from Christ and, and argumentative about everything, that would take away from the law of love, wouldn't it? I should think it would, yes. One, one, one more thought, and we're going to close the prayer. We can also see truth so much that we don't see God himself, and we're always gathering knowledge, and we become really good at quoting scripture, and we know where things are in the Bible, and we know Ellen White, but we don't know God. They have to have a change in us. And that is, like I say, the fruits of the Spirit. Okay. All right. Thank you all for your thoughts and ideas and contributions. Let's close with prayer. Eternal Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for not only the evidence of your character, of love and truth that you gave us through uh, your Savior, your Son, who came to this earth to die for us. Also the uh, Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who leads us into all truth. We ask for a continued support and evidences of this truth, and we ask that we continue to walk in greater light, and not only to walk in greater light, but to share this light with those who are around us. Uh, please continue to transform our characters so that when you come again, we may see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen.